The views and opinions expressed in the following paid program are those of the host, callers, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this station, its management, or owners. I'm an American soldier, an American, my brothers and my sisters, I will proudly take a stand when liberty's in jeopardy. Time to have a conversation about the things that matter to you, including the direction of our country. This is Conversations with Rodney Ferguson, brought to you by Crushed Red on the Big 550 KTRS. Welcome to Conversations with Rod Ferguson. This is KTRS and the Big 550. So when the public was asked in Iowa what the number two issues, the number one and number two issues are, for the first time, it was not the economy being number one. It's the border. Now think about that for a minute. This is Iowa. This is land of corn crops and big buck deer. This is not Arizona. It's not Texas. The number one thing on people's mind in Iowa that needs to get fixed is the border. And you've heard the problems. It's been discussed infinitum for the last two years. The last surge that's getting ready to come across the border is 30,000 illegal immigrants. And the Supreme Court challenge was lost recently, and they're going to let them walk right in. So now we've got another 30,000 people that are going to come in across the border illegally. They're not vetted. We don't know anything about their medical background. We don't know anything about their sourcing. We know they're coming from over 172 countries. So those of you that still think this is a Mexico problem, I would ask that you rethink that. The cartels are making $30 million a month, bringing in drug mules into that group. They're saying 87% of those coming across are young males, single, young males, eligible for military service, fleeing countries for this, that, and the other. We don't know anything about their criminal background, their medical background, or their financial background. But they're fleeing their countries, 172 different countries, and walking across our open border. The Democrats are hoping they pull blue. That is not what the numbers are saying. If you look at the minority communities, they are not pulling blue at the ballot box, which flies in the face of this whole strategy. That's number one. 
at the Iowa caucus and what's on people's minds in Iowa, the border. Number two, as you can imagine, is the economy. But if you look between the lines here, how in the world did the economy take second seat to the border? In Iowa, they're going to see what it's in New Hampshire. They're going to run exit polls there. But when they started dropping all those people up there in the great Northeast, I mean, they had a duck shot. They could not believe they were coming into their communities. And they immediately contacted their governor and said, we got a problem. we got to fix this. Well, we're going to have 30,000 more coming over in the last, next couple of days. And the Supreme Court has said, we're good. Bring them in. So as we shift to the economy, which is number two on voters' minds, coming from the famous phrase, it's about the economy, stupid. Love that phrase. We look at the economy. And the question's asked, are you better now financially than you were four years ago, three years ago, or under a previous administration? 87% of those polled said no. Might gain fodder to the 33% approval rating of our current president, and it's dropping. They're saying come election time, he could be in the 20s. It's never happened in the United States, ever. So if he wanted to make his mark, he's going to make it. It's just not going to be where he thought it was. They're saying there's 6% inflation out there. So I got a question for you. Is inflation at 6% in your wallet? 6%? You've been to the grocery store. You've been to the gas station. Is inflation running at 6%? or 60%. Those of you filing taxes, side note, 35% of the U.S. population does not file a tax return. Just a little factoid. And the president says, we just have to do our fair share. And to the wealthy, you are not doing your fair share. Per Mr. Biden, you got to do your fair share. What does that mean? That mean more than 50%? 60%? What is the fair share for the wealthy? Wealthy defined as anyone making over 300000 in a combined household. That's the definition of wealthy to this administration. So for those of you that combined with your spouses making over 300000 you're wealthy. And you need to pay your fair share. What's the matter with you? You should be ashamed of yourself not paying your fair share. Is he kidding? What planet is he on? You need to come out of the basement. You need to walk into a community that's not pro-you 
which isn't hard to do right now, and ask them what's on their mind. Number one in the Iowa poll and the caucus was the border. Knocked out the economy is number two. That's what the consumer is saying is the biggest threat to our national security is this open border policy that we've had for the last three years. And if you've seen some of these pictures, and I'm not talking about the photo ops that are done inland Texas, I'm talking the ones that are at the border. I'm talking the lines, the endless lines of people. And I'm not talking about the two or three photographs they take with the mama holding the kids. I'm talking about the 87% of the young men that are coming over that we know nothing about them. Now let's flash back to two years ago during COVID. How many of them have COVID? How many have other diseases that they're just walking into our country? Everybody listening knows someone that they lost to COVID. COVID was such a big deal. They locked us down in our homes, in our homes. But they're letting 30,000 this week walk across the border, and they don't know anything about them. Unbelievable. But we got a chance to fix it, and it's going to get fixed. And it's going to get fixed within the next 12 months. And this group will go down as the biggest joke in U.S. history from a congressional standpoint. This is Conversations, Big 550, KTRS. The views and opinions expressed in the following paid program are those of the host, callers, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this station, its management, or owner. I'm brought to you courtesy of red, white, and blue. Now, back to Conversations with Rodney Ferguson. Brought to you by Crushed Red on the Big 550 KTRS. So does anybody remember, it's been a long time ago, three years ago, what Biden did on day one of his presidency? He killed the Keystone Pipeline, sending Thousands and thousands of middle-class workers home without a job. More importantly, not to the ones that got let go, but more importantly, everything that Trump had done for the four years before that making us energy independent, he reversed with the stroke of a pen, shutting down the Keystone Pipeline, making us dependent and purchasing oil overseas, Russia, Iraq, etc. Shifting to a lighter note. Has anybody seen the new Barbie movie? The Oscars saw it, and they have snubbed it, following the critics of the Barbie movie. And it doesn't look good at the Oscars for those that participated in the Barbie movie. I personally don't follow Barbie. I've seen several people that look like Barbies. So Biden came out of the basement and had to do something. So he held a campaign rally 
to offset what's going on with what happened in New Hampshire with the New Hampshire primaries. And you know what? He's getting heckled left and right from the audience. They're protesting. So for the few people that are showing up for him for this rally, he's being heckled when he's trying to rally some support for his party, which is what he's called to do. There's a filmmaker out there in Hollywood that wants to redo all the classic movies through the lens and sifter of the walk movement. Have you heard of this? This guy's got a real nice earring, talks a real good story through the walk microphone, where he's going to go through the classics that we know and reimagine them in the current, as he sees, walk environment. Coming to a theater near you, you could sit and watch and listen to a reimagined classical movie through the lens of the walk. Stay tuned. More to come. This is Rod Ferguson in Conversations on KTRS and the Big 550. The views and opinions expressed in the following paid program are those of the host, callers, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this station, its management, or owners. Brought to you courtesy of red, white, and blue. Now, back to Conversations with Rodney Ferguson. Brought to you by Crushed Red on the Big 550 KTRS. So back to the market for a few minutes in the wonderful world of cryptocurrency. There's a phrase that's being battered about called the normalizing of cryptocurrency. Now, if we think about that just for a minute, the normalization of cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency, as we know, is not backed by anything. It's not backed by a gold standard. It's not backed by real estate. It's not backed by anything. But if you'll take cryptocurrency for goods and services, it really doesn't matter. And there are professional athletes that want to only be paid in cryptocurrency. There are machines in airports that will only give you goods and services if you pay in cryptocurrency. There is a Visa card out there being, and I won't name the bank, but is being advertised that they pay all their rewards, their 2%, 3% cash back, this back, that back, in cryptocurrency. And for those of you that have been paying attention, the SEC just approved 11 spot Bitcoin ETFs recently. And you know what it did to the Bitcoin market? It went down. (laughs) 
it went down. Every one of the 11-spot Bitcoin ETFs lost money over the last two days. There was a $1,000 drop in the cryptocurrency if you're looking at Bitcoin. So it begs the question, why? Well, the whole premise of cryptocurrency is that it's unregulated. That's why everybody likes it. It's not backed by anything, but it's not regulated by anybody. It's not regulated by the bank. The Fed isn't involved in it. So what does our powers at B do? They go in and the SEC approves the ETFs, exchange-traded funds, 11 times. And they all fell on the news. Because that's not the definition of normalization of crypto. That may be the government's regul government's idea of normalization of crypto. But for the founders, they want it un unregulated. So what's the major problem with unregulated currency? Of which the SEC is in charge of. It's hackable. It's hackable. I mean, they say anything can be hacked. Well, if you're putting your dollars and cents in cryptocurrency and you're not extremely mindful of the protection elements in cryptocurrency, you are a prime candidate to be hacked and lose it all. And I'm speaking from experience. I had my grandchildren's money in cryptocurrency when it first came out. I just thought in the future, they got their whole lives ahead of them. This crypto thing will happen or it won't. I put 5% of the portfolio in cryptocurrency. I put it in the number one exchange that's out there, Coinbase. It got hacked, and it was gone overnight. Every dollar. I went to Coinbase. Coinbase said, I'm sorry that happened. I had had LifeLock. For those of you that are familiar with LifeLock and the Norton antivirus software company that bought them, been a LifeLock member for 12 years, paid my premiums for 12 years for their million dollars if I was ever hacked. And I was. So I went back to them and I said, thank God I've got LifeLock. And they said, I'm so sorry that you didn't read page 36 of the prospectus. Because page 36 of the prospectus says, we don't cover cryptocurrency. And I said, cryptocurrency wasn't even around 12 years ago when I was paying these premiums. Yeah, it was an addendum that was sent to you in the mail. And I lost it all and had no insurance. So... Back to the normalization of cryptocurrency. Is there such a thing as normalization? 
to the SEC, that means it falls under their purview and they can regulate it. But if you know anything about cryptocurrency, you know it was built on not being regulated. So you can't turn on any news media right now without seeing Hunter Biden's face out there. And I will tell you, I really don't understand this. Hunter, and all the issues that he has, and we all have issues, and we've all had issues, and we're going to have more issues in the future. Things like his laptop. I don't know how it got there. I don't know how they got it, and I don't know what's in it. His father being referenced as the big guy on all these different monies that are going back and forth from China and Russia and wherever. Him being charged with contempt of Congress and then not even showing up for the hearing. And then when he does show up, it's more of a diatribe on what he wants to read. But you can't turn on the news without hearing about Hunter Biden and the family and everything that they're doing and all this fun stuff. And and I don't get it. And here's why. Because at the end of the day, his father is the president of the United States. And we know one power that the president has. And he can commute sentences and give immunity. So I just don't get it. If Hunter came clean on everything he's ever done or ever thought of doing, his dad's just going to pardon him and make it all go away. So why are we spending all this time and energy and money and publicity on something that is going to be erased with the stroke of a pen? I just don't get it. I got friends of mine that follow the political sphere, and it drives them crazy. They turn colors talking about it. But at the end of the day, it can be wiped away of one of the gazillion pardons that he's going to sign when he leaves office. So I think we should move on to things that are a little more pressing, like the inflation that they keep telling us doesn't exist. Now, yesterday, they actually came out and said, we got the numbers in per December, and inflation actually went up. Well, no kidding. Was this a surprise to anybody that has pulled up to a gas pump? Anybody that's walked into a grocery store? Anybody that's drove through a fast food restaurant? My wife likes Coca-Cola at McDonald's. For some reason, they've got this thing down to a science. The syrup is perfect mixture with the seltzer and the water. And for 89 cents, you could, back in the day, which was, what, a year ago, get one large for 89 cents. That same exact order today costs you $1.79. And even though I'm a Limburg graduate, I can do the math on that, and that's more than 8%. I mean, that's running around 40, 45% and pushing 50% inflation. 
We've looked at what houses cost, what fuel costs, what individual food products cost. And it's a lot more than the 6% that they say is going down to 4 after the election. And that it's been two forever. Those of us that have been buying goods and services for any period of time knows this is all a bunch of, to use Joe Biden's word, malarkey. I call it something else. But if we don't get a handle on inflation and taxes in this country, we, as I said when I opened the segment, are going by the way of Europe. 35, 40% tax brackets on everything, everything. I could make a really good case that the middle and upper class are paying more than that now. If you add the fuel taxes, the food taxes, the mall taxes, the federal taxes, the sales taxes, the city taxes, the taxes on hotels, restaurants, and I could go on and on on airline tickets. Just look at your last airline ticket and look how many taxes are taxed. You add all that up, it's more than 50%. We have an inflation problem in this country. We have a tax problem in this country. And if it doesn't get solved, it's going to continue to deteriorate those of us on fixed income, those are on fixed income, and those that have salary jobs and bonuses are going to disappear from pure inflation and taxes alone. Give me your thoughts on this on our text line. KTRS, the big 550. This is Conversations. The views and opinions expressed in the following paid program are those of the host, callers, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this station, its management, or owners. brought to you courtesy of the red, white, and blue. Now, back to Conversations with Rodney Ferguson. Brought to you by Crushed Red on the Big 550 KTRS. I recently have had to deal with the health care issue that I learned a lot about going through the process. And it was in the area of my kidney, specifically a kidney stone. It was the size of a nickel, and they said it had been growing for two years. When I asked about how this occurred, since I've never had a problem like this in my 62 years on the planet, they said, well, Mr. Ferguson, you live in a kidney belt. And I didn't know what a kidney belt was. I didn't heard of the Bible belt, never heard of the kidney belt. So yeah, the kidney belt's up there around Nebraska, kind of works its way through the Midwest. It comes on down to the East Coast and to the Carolinas. And it's primarily part of uh, households that are on well water, the purest water on the planet. They don't have this issue in the city. 
in the city, but they are exorbitant in the states I mentioned, and they've actually called it the kidney belt. Now, without getting too graphic, this required two different surgeries over two different months, requiring stints into the kidney, the passing and the blasting of this stone to try to purge this thing from my body. It is the most excruciating pain I have ever had being in the Marine Corps um, for six years, uh, being in the jungles of different foreign countries, uh, living in the woods, uh, been in all kinds of different situations. Other surgeries, including knee surgeries, and gallbladder surgeries, hernia surgeries, broken arms, broken this, broken that. I have never had anything that touched me as deeply and as painfully as a kidney stone. And I've talked to other people said, yeah, I get kidney stones all the time. I just pass them. I, sometimes I pass them. I don't even know it. I said, well, the size of a nickel, you'd know it if it was coming. I could tell you in my body where it was traveling at what particular rate of speed and when. It was the most excruciating thing I've ever had to go through. It was two months of my life and extremely time-consuming. Because when you're in pain, and I know a lot of the audience deals with pain, emotional pain, physical pain, all kinds of different pain, it, it can be devastating in other parts of your life, financially, as far as relationships, and et cetera. So I wanted to share that knowledge with you in the area of kidney and kidney belt which I had never heard of in my 62 years on the planet, that we live in that state in the kidney belt. So if you're having to go through anything like that, seek medical attention immediately. Obviously, the sooner they can get in front of that problem, the better they can make it. And seek out the people that do that for a living. I mean, there are kidney specialists that deal in this area. But I just wanted to share that with you because I recently went through it. And if anyone else in the audience is, I pray for you. I pray it passes quickly. And you grab your strainer, head to the restroom, and I pray that that's purged from your body as soon as possible. To come up with, and I had no idea this was out there, and it's more in the rural areas of the country, was something called a family cloth. Now, I didn't know what a family cloth was. And maybe you're sitting there going, what is he talking about, family cloth? What, what is this? It has been described to me as a toilet paper alternative and I got into a discussion with a family that it was, it's been common practice handing down generations. I mean, I, when I go to Costco or Wally World or wherever, 
I get my toiletries, I get my toilet paper, I get my uh, paper towel rolls, I get my just all the things I need for cleaning supplies. And that's a modern occurrence for me. I had never heard of this alternative to toilet paper called a family cloth. And the best way I can describe it is it's a large washcloth that's used in the restroom. And it's laundered just like other things we launder with our clothes and our towels. And it's used in the restroom to clean you up. But again, I had never heard of this until late last year. And I, if you would have asked me how many families were participating in this particular endeavor, I would have missed it by a mile. The family cloth. I guess over the course of a year, I guess you save a lot of money in this area because you're not having to buy dispensable paper products. I've just never been exposed to it. (laughs) No pun. And I had never heard of anybody that used this as an alternative to toilet paper. So I thought I'd share that with everybody. So put it up there with uh, unusual trivia. There's a statistic out there, and we all know what they say about statistics. Moving to the political front for a minute, because this is a political year, and we're going to hear a lot about politics this year, politicians promising this and that, and who can do a better job, and are we going to switch this in the Senate or move this over in the House, and who's going to be the president, et cetera. But that was in the area, this particular one is in the area of executive orders. And I saw a statistic that kind of backed me up a little bit, and they asked it in the form of a question. And they said, which president issued the most executive orders? And I thought about that for a minute, and the first name that came to my mind was Obama, because I heard that he signed a lot. But I really didn't know what a lot meant. This particular president issued 3,712 executive orders. Now, I know some of you are thinking you thought, you know, Big Joe did that in his first month in office when he was trying to unwind all the Trump stuff. And there was a lot signed, and he signed his name for three days. Um, But the president, with the most executive orders written, 3,712, goes to Franklin Delano Roosevelt. FDR wrote the most, and nobody else comes anywhere near him. And I just thought that was extremely interesting, And you may find it interesting or you may find it not interesting. I was watching TV the other night after a long day work, and I'm just settling in. And all these different commercials about this and that. 
things you want to know about, things you absolutely don't want about want to know about, things about personal health care, things about everything from erectile dysfunction to how you smell when you get out of the shower. And the one that caught my attention the most was a commercial for Planned Parenthood. Now, when I say those words, most of the time, they elicit an immediate reaction. And some fall down on one side, others fall down on the other side. And I will say, each side is extremely passionate about how they feel about this, Planned Parenthood and the issues that surround it. But I had never seen a commercial for Planned Parenthood with everybody smiling and the waiting room. Everybody was smiling and high-fiving each other, and young people are laughing and smiling and coming in and going out. A 30-second commercial on Planned Parenthood. That was a new one on me. I don't know if any of you have seen it. I don't know how you feel about it. That's what our text line's for. So if you have a strong opinion one way or the other, and if you've seen a commercial for Planned Parenthood, go ahead and text us here at the Big 550 at KTRS and let me know. The subject of the International Space Station came up the other day because they were talking about how much money it was going to cost every time we go up and down to the moon or to Mars or whatever we send up there next. And now the private sector has got involved in this, everybody from Elon to other billionaires that are out there that are throwing their money into space. And there were a couple things that I did not know that I thought I'd share with you. New York City and New Jersey, I think everybody knows, has a trash problem. You you don't have to visit too many times to New York City and stay at one of those swanky hotels to be woke up regardless of what floor you're on, the 30th floor, the 25th floor, the 35th floor, by a trash truck loading black bags into a trash truck. And quite frankly, I thought they went to the landfill like they do everywhere else that I know. Then I found out they're going on barges, and they're being shipped on barges across the country. Then I find out that none of that that, that didn't work. That worked for a while, but now they're shipping them out to the desert and burying them in holes in the desert. But the trash keeps accumulating, and regardless of all this issue about recycling, where you're just separating the different parts of trash um this this trash unbeknownst to me is being put in satellites and shot into orbit this was new to me i couldn't possibly fathom how economically feasible it would be to load our garbage onto a satellite tube, fill it full of garbage and trash, and blow it into our atmosphere. I've never seen a commercial on that. 
I've never heard of anybody even talk about it. Yet, apparently, this has been happening for years. The other thing that was going on that's been in the news recently is they had a young man that was made his trip up to the International Space Station. There was just one problem. He was supposed to rotate off after a year, and through some kind of problem that they were having, they sent him a memo and said, yeah, you're going to be up here another year. Now, I don't know how that went over with his family, and I can't imagine what it did to his finances to be delayed a year when you know you're returning to Earth for that year. But it posed a question. If that was you, and you had a one-year gig up there, and then it got extended into another year, the question I would ask is what would you miss most about Earth? I mean, you're sitting up there for another year. You can only take so much data and so many cosmic pictures and do your job, 12 on, 12 off. On the 12 off, when you're not sleeping for eight, you got four hours to probably do whatever you want, staring into space, missing everybody, your friends, your family, your kids. What would you say you would miss the most about Earth? Text me. Let me know what you would miss the most. This is Conversations with Rod Ferguson on the Big 550 KTRS. The views and opinions expressed in the preceding paid program are those of the host, callers, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this station, its management, or owners.